Welcome to the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast by Dare to Dream, the show dedicated to fun, practical mental performance strategies for your golf game. Join mental performance coach Jamie Glazier and co-host Ross Flanagan as they discuss how to manage your mind in one of the craziest sports there is. Well, hello and welcome back to another episode of the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast. I'm Ross Flanagan, your co-host, and on the other end of the line tonight, we have the Mental Master Golf Performance Coach from Dare to Dream, Jamie Glazier, on the phone. Sorry we can't be together tonight, Jamie. We have to do this over the phone, but we will get together wherever we can. How are you, my friend? Yeah, good, mate. Yourself? You've been well? Mate, I've been very well. I've been very well and uh, busy work and busy in golf, so uh, that's a good thing. And, and uh, uh, you've been busy I did yourself? See you out at, I have been, yeah. I did see you out at Royal Melbourne yesterday, so uh, not that the weather was too kind to us yesterday, was it? No, it wasn't, unfortunately. And it broke my run of uh, great weather spells and also great golf courses. Not to not to be bragging about playing good good golf courses. I was at Kingston Heath on Sunday for a nice little uh, golf event down there. We had a, a work related conference at Royal Melbourne yesterday. Unfortunately, the uh, balmy conditions of Melbourne got the better of us. We did get out and play the home paddock, which was fantastic. I was with uh, I was actually with the boss of TaylorMade from Europe, Jamie, and uh, yeah. he, first time he he had seen uh, Royal Melbourne, and I got to host him around there. It was it was really really good. He was a really nice guy, David Silvers. If you are yeah. listening, David, uh, thanks for listening. But uh, yeah, no shortage of golf at my end, but uh, very busy. As you know, we burn the candle at both ends all the time. But it's yeah. great to catch up for another episode. It's been a few weeks uh, since we caught up with Herbie after his win. Uh, yeah. We've had the uh, Vic Open since then, and uh, I think Herbie's off at uh, the WGC now. But we we had a game. We snuck in a little game of golf together ourselves there, and uh, it was good to catch up there and just... Just check in, check in on each yeah. other's game. You're working on your stuff. I'm working on mine. Yeah, no, it's been good. It's been good. It's, uh, I'm seeing, uh, you know, some uh, some good progress in areas. Had a pretty solid 39 point round the other the other week and uh, last week. And yeah, you know, it's just amazing when you sort of commit to developing your game and and be as consistent as you can with it. Just those little two percent, five percent improvements each round, and I think even the the greater level of awareness over those areas that you know you need to target if you want to make mass gains is uh, you know really stand out. So it's uh, it's been fun. And the feedback's still been great coming through. I've got a, a number of messages from people that have been listening into us, and quite a few suggestions, as I know that you have. Um, yeah, and it's going to be great to just collate them and keep talking about them. My own golf, uh, you know, as you know that I'm. I'm trying to work on the journey to scratch. I've got that on the uh, the goal board yep. next to me here where I'm sitting in the uh, home studio, otherwise yep. known as my son's bedroom. But um, <laughs> it's it's still going okay. You know, I had that little blip of around where, you know, we just lost a bit of focus and concentration because we were hosting a guest down there. But back down at the range, I'm using a couple of little training aids, which we'll talk about in a sec. But I had a little bit of a moment and I want to talk and discuss it with you because, you know, mm-hmm. I need you to help me understand because I'm still learning. Yeah. I'm on the yeah. journey. I'm on the journey here with you, mate, and I, and yeah. I'm still learning. And I'm sure as I learn, the listeners at home can learn and uh, either apply some of that, or they might have their own experience and they can take from my learning and really apply that in their own space. So you know, my area of opportunity is my short game. So I'm spending a little bit more time down at that wonderful short game area that we have, and I'm using yeah. using the tour striker ball, which yeah. if you haven't seen one, it's a, a little training aid. It hangs off a, a lanyard around your neck, and just sits in the V above your wrists, in the V of your arms. 
and it's for connection. I like to use it for uh, pitching practice because it helps me with my connection, my rotation, which is really important. Now, the other day, Jamie, I was chipping. Maybe, you know, we have a 20-ball limit on the range. So I chipped 20 balls, and then I collected the balls up, and then I came back, took the uh, swing uh, eight off. And as I was going to uh, practice my chipping, I just looked down at where the ball would have been sitting. So I just looked at the spot. In my mind's eye, I could see the ball there, and I could almost recreate that I felt the ball there. And and it might sound a bit weird, but I literally had a feeling and a sensation that I could feel the ball there. And and I started pitching, and I was pitching and chipping exactly the same as if the ball was there. Now, the, the point about that is most of the time, you know, maybe a year ago, six months ago, if I used the training aid, I would just immediately or very quickly revert back to old you know, the old behavior, the old habit or the old stroke or the old chip or the old technique is the word I'm looking for. And this time Mm -hmm. I just had this different feeling. And for 20 chips in a row, I just sat there and I just, before before the shot, I just, you know, got set, had a little look at the glance in in that little V there and had a look at my left left forearm, inside left forearm, just above the the, the armband. And uh, it worked wonders. Now, help me understand what was going on there. Was there in fact something going on? Yeah, okay, so... Yeah, I think it's a great discussion point around the use of training aids, but also the use of training aids in being able to transfer that type of performance, you know, to your game without the training aid. So a lot of stuff that um, that I do in, in practice is what we call uh, residual work. So what, what I mean by that is if you've got the tour striker ball and you're hitting, say, 20 or 30 chips with the tour striker ball, you're physiology but also your psychology your brain functioning is going to function off residual for anywhere from say three to five minutes after you're practicing with a two striker ball so the next uh you know 10 or 15 chips you will work off that residual sensation that the two striker ball was creating in your performance so inevitably what will happen is if you were to hit uh 20 30 40 balls there's going to be a breaking point where the residual feeling or the residual sensation of the tour striker ball is going to go away and possibly the old pattern is going to take over again. So what I like to do a lot is what I call blending drills. So you might do 15 shots with the tour striker, five without, 15 with, five without. And you might do, say, five blocks of that. And then you might start to, uh, you might do that for, for five or six days. Uh, depending upon the pattern that you're creating and uh, I suppose how far the old pattern is from the new pattern. But what you then want to do, say after five days or six days, you want to go 10 with the tour striker ball, 10 without. Do that for a week. Then you want to go five with the tour striker ball, 15 without. And you, you just almost wean yourself off the use of the tour striker ball, but you ingrain that to become your dominant pattern and then after you know maybe it might even be after a month two months or so uh you can use that tour striker ball as more of a just a maintenance thing where you might just hit sort of 10 balls or so with that to start a session and then just go into chipping uh without it but um yeah i mean what you did which was really great a little bit of a brain hack is you had that sensation of the tour striker ball but then when you took it away and you're looking down at your forearm, you actually imagined it to be there and you imagine the sensation that it would create if it was there, which enabled you to just 
really perform in a similar way, even though you didn't have the, the two striker ball connected. So, so yeah, that was uh, that was why that worked so well for you. Uh, uh, you know, when you didn't have that two striker ball there. Yeah, it was it was quite phenomenal. And as I say, I'm always learning, uh, but it was quite yeah. phenomenal. And it just made me it distracted any attention away from any negative. It, it didn't allow any negative thought to yep. enter into my little chipping process, which you know has yep. been been the creation of of a slight in my game. You know, just that yep. thought of, of before takeaway or whatever part of whatever product. It just took that away, and uh, it was quite a phenomenal breakthrough. But I have noticed, Jamie, and and, and we spoke about it a little bit uh, when we were playing, is I seem to have, be slowly developing a better sense of awareness on course in round mid round and just being just through the process of checking in i haven't yep. i haven't moved to journaling i you know haven't moved yep. to the journaling part yet but yeah you know just being able to check in and have that good sense of where i am and how i'm feeling and yep. you know, just a, just a little bit of a debrief and anal- analyzing just how i am and and yep. you know that's anything from the breathing anything from you know have physically um feeling you know if, I, if i'm you know starting to feel a bit tired or dehydrated i'm starting to drink a little bit more water and yep. it's just starting to become a little bit more normal. Yeah. Oh, that's that's great. It's, yeah, and that's the you know I think that's the reward that you are getting for you know consistent attention to detail in this area. You know, when we started the podcast, your your mental game training was you know limited, um, and you know you it's very difficult. Well, it's very easy to get into some unproductive patterns when you don't know what you're building or you're not building anything. So you know you've seen that reward now. And watching you play, it's been really great because your your rounds of golf now are so much more stable than what they were previously. You know, a bit up and down like a yo-yo, uh, like most of us are. But when you've got something to hold on to from a mental game point of view and something to build upon, you then start to create that stability and you start to create a lot less variance in your scores. So instead of having 22 one day and 36 the next, and you start to sort of really narrow the gap between your good and bad rounds and uh yeah it's been uh, been fun to watch and you know what else uh playing some decent golf has been able to allow me to collect along the way jamie what would that be some quality mirror neuron videos yes excellent <laughs> excellent i gotta i gotta rip, uh, i gotta rip a dip a do with the uh the new sim driver on uh the east course yesterday it's uh um royal melbourne oh, it was it was a beautiful shot it was a really nice driver too so uh, first time I was using the Sim Max, and uh, it was really good. But uh, no, it was a quality mirror, mirror neuron video for me to sit down and watch. Maybe, maybe put, but, it, on, um, put it on Instagram. Uh, yeah, go hopefully, on. all the all the listeners probably thinking the same thing I'm thinking and thinking, Ross, why do you need another driver mirror neuron video when uh, we need to continue to uh, collect short game mirror neuron videos? Very, very valid point. Yes, <laughs> drive, drive for show and chip for dough. I know that much. So I, I'll, I'll have to get over the drive for show part. Anyway. Um, so, mate, the rest of this episode, we you have um, kindly brought to the attention that uh, the mental scorecard is a concept that is very, very valid and very worthwhile sharing with the, uh, the listeners at home. And it's one that you've had yeah. quite a bit of experience implementing with a wide variety of your clients from elite down to future elite and, you know, down to learning. So yep. I'm interested to learn a bit more about that because I want to introduce it to my game. So let's yep. talk about mental scorecard. Yeah, look, I think it's a it's a really interesting one because uh, we all know from a, I suppose it's a, 
statistic point of view with golf, there's so many statistics that a lot of even club level golfers might uh, might keep. They might keep how many fairways hit around, how many greens, their up and down, their parts. Uh, like they they might keep uh, you know those sort of statistics. And I had a discussion with someone the other day that um, you know they keep these these stats during their rounds and. Uh, and I said to them, you know, what volume of rounds where you look, you know, you, you've got your stats and you sit down and you look at them and you analyze them and then you create a plan for how to improve your statistics. And he blankly looked at me as if to say, what are you talking about? And we had a discussion. I said, well, why are you keeping stats? And he said, well, just to help me understand, you know, where my game's at. And I'm saying, but what do you then do with it? And he said, nothing. So the, the time that he's spending keeping stats is completely wasted because there is no action being implemented once those statistics have been put together. So for a lot of club golfers, uh, a mental scorecard uh, is a great way to hold you accountable to changing a specific pattern in your mental game, uh, you know, that will help you to, uh, and it means for me, for example, uh, one thing that I'm noticing with my game is I have a tendency to, like today's round was a perfect example. I, I play, I've got 30,000 things on my mind. Um, I've got a, a, a call um, on the way to the golf course uh, it's at seven o'clock in the morning. I'm on the phone talking to to a client, and um, I've got all this stuff on my mind. And then I get out on the golf course, and I'm not really engaged in what I'm doing because I'm thinking about all these other things. So for me, after today's round, I thought really holding myself accountable the next time I play to making sure that each and every shot I'm really switched on even if I do have a little bit of stuff going on in between shots I'm replying to a message or I'm booking in a session which is you know inevitably what happens um that I need to hold myself accountable for being engaged and focused and switched on because when I do that I'm actually really starting to play some really good golf now my body's feeling fantastic um my shoulder injuries is you know is about 90 percent and the work I did with Dave Capaldo last year on my swing starting to come together really well, but it's it's my mental game now that's actually you know causing me to to lose shots. The thirty nine point round I had, I made a double from eighty meters out on a par five, um, and that was just completely just not switching on, just late in the round, just wasn't uh, wasn't focused, and um, so yeah, so uh, it's something that all my clients uh, we discuss. And whether they're a pro or whether they're a 25 marker, just that process of keeping a mental scorecard is uh, is is really important. So um, you know, so, and it's so is there a scoring system? So with the mental scorecard, yeah. so we're doing yeah, it. So we're, we're doing it hole by hole. We're doing it hole by hole, and I'll I'll use an example uh, of uh, a client of mine. A few. Uh, let me think what time of the year. Uh, probably about four weeks ago it was. A, a female professional uh, that was that was sort of coming to see me, um, committing to shots, her commitment to just hitting the shot that she sees right now and the shot she wants to hit 
her commitment levels were inconsistent. So after a session, we, um, I said to her, okay, we're going to keep a, a mental scorecard on the quality of your commitment for each shot. So what basically happens is each shot, uh, her number one priority is to completely commit. So at the end of a hole, when she writes down her score, let's say, for example, she wrote down, uh, she had a par, par four, she writes down the four, either on a portion of the scorecard or in her yardage book or in a notepad, um, you basically put how many of those four shots did you commit to to a satisfactory level. And if it's four, you put four. If it was two or three, whatever the number was, you put that down and you do that every hole. And then what you do at the end of the round, you add up your score. Let's say you've had 76 shots and you add up your commitment score. And let's say you've had, you know, 65 shots where you completely committed and 11 where you didn't, you then at the end of the round try and do the percentage. Now, this girl uh, in her very next event, uh, One Day Pro-Am, she messaged me back saying her commitment was about 67%. And I said to her, your goal your goal tomorrow in the next uh, the next event is to try and get that commitment level to 85% or above. And I said, if you do that, then, you know, I think you're going to be quite happy with how the game felt. And so the first day with 67%, she shot four over. And the next day with 88%, she shot five under. So... She said that nothing changed in her swing, nothing changed in her game. It was just the difference in her ability to just commit to the shot. So, um, so yeah. So with the listeners, you know, if 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 there is a an, a part of their mental game that they know is their weak point, whether it's focus, commitment, um, you know, in, engagement to the ball flight or engagement to the target or connection to the target. Whatever their weak point is, they need to go out and make that their priority for that round and keep a mental scorecard on the number of shots. They execute that process to a high level and let the, let the score on the scorecard just, just take care of itself. That's a secondary priority for that, uh, for that round and it's, uh, it's amazing what, uh, you know, what can happen when that, uh, that mental scorecard is more of a priority over the actual scorecard itself. So it's basically just as simple as that, you know, analyzing every shot. Yep. And just giving yourself. So you, you would. How would you do that? Would you do that lucky like you when you mark your score at the end of the end of the end of the um the hole, or would you sort yep. of score it as you do it? You know, after you hit a drive and just say you've piped it, and you know yep. that you felt you know right on the spot. Yeah. Do you just put a little mark down, or do you just wait till you get to the end of the? Yeah, look, it, 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 it's as simple as it, and it, this is quite individualized too. You can, depending upon how you want to set it up, some people just have a little, like a little notepad um, in with their scorecard. And then when they write the score down, they've just got their notepad uh, where they just write the number. So, you know, par four, all four shots are executed with good commitment, four. Um, or th- that's the simplest way just to do it once per hole. And um, I mean, we generally know by the end of the hole how many of those shots we executed with a with a satisfactory process. So, 
you know, second shot, we might have had, uh, you know, a loss of focus or whatever the, the, the priority was. So we know that, okay, there's one shot that I'm not going to give myself. So if I have a five, I know maximum my, my score is going to be a four. Um, so, yeah, so, you know, I think, you know, just tallying that up a little bit as the whole goes on just makes it easier to do it at the end. And, uh, you know, the great thing with that is, too, is, your, that hole's gone. Well, you know, if you got four out of four, or you got three out of four. That's gone. Your your next goal is to let's see how many we can tick off this hole. Let's see if we can get a perfect hole of whatever number of shots I have. Let's have the same amount of successful or you know high quality uh, processes. Very interesting. Very. So, who are the types of? Um, have you worked with this with your elite players? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've uh, used it with a, a large, well, I think all, yeah, pretty much all my players. I know uh, I know Ryan Russell's last year uh, at Q School in the US. Um, we just had a little, I suppose, a little trigger uh, for him before each shot just to bring himself back to the present. So, um, you know, obviously tour school is a, it's a pretty high-tense uh high-pressure tournament with a lot on the line so the mind can jump around and wander. And, you know, his, his sort of uh, process from a mental scorecard point of view was just be present. You know, are you present to this moment? Are you present to this shot? We used a, a little anchor in his yardage book to, to help bring him back to that moment. But, um, you know, and, and uh, even as, as late as sort of last week, the Vic Open with um, with Marcus Fraser. have been working with Fraser a few weeks and, uh you know, engagement was, was, was his. The engagement was just, you know, making sure that every shot he's really engaged with the ball flight, getting out to the target and um, allowing his sort of instincts to take over. So it's, um, you know, it, I think for me this is a, a really great process that can work for anyone. So whether you're, you know, a tour player, whether you're a, an elite amateur, whether you're a complete beginner golfer playing off a handicap of 45, this mental scorecard can can really help you to just uh, hold yourself accountable to do a good job mentally. Because unfortunately, you know, I think we all know when we we get off a golf course whether mentally we did a really great job today or mentally we didn't, and it's pretty scary the percentage of rounds that will come off the course and go, you know, we did a really good job mentally today. I don't think it would be that high for, for most of us. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned, so, you mentioned something there and I don't want to go off topic, but I think it's related because, and you mentioned it with, uh, with rough. So you said an anchor and I think I used that term earlier on. Yep. Is it, is it pertinent just to maybe give uh, everyone listening in just an understanding of what an anchor might be and, and how, you know, in this process of being engaged in every shot, how that might be a useful tool or useful yeah, definitely. useful to understand. I think I've got an understanding of what an anchor is. You know, obviously I've yep. been doing a little bit of a little bit of research and a little bit of reading. I'm trying to stay abreast of the topics and the subject matter and I'm trying to be, you know, valuable yep. valuable resource uh, to the listeners and also to myself and to you. So yep. I think I know what an anchor is, but yep. uh, I'd love to hear it from you. Yeah, so an anchor basically is just Something that we use to uh, anchor a certain state in ourselves or access a certain state in ourselves. So uh, generally, you know, when we talk about uh, psychological anchoring, it's, it's more of a mental and emotional state. So 
uh, and that anchor can be many and varied. There can be, um, you know, I, I'm trying to think of, uh, so let's look at Tiger Woods, for example. You know, years ago, uh, he still does it now, but not as much as what he did years ago, where he would be behind the ball and he would just pull his, pull his sleeve up, mm. you know, get his sleeve up. That was a, a bit of an anchor for him to get ready for the shot, switch on, um, uh, you know, really access a little bit of confidence, a little bit of athleticness, just he's ready to go and execute this shot. Um, I know that, uh, for example, uh, I've used the golf glove as an anchor for a lot of clients in the past to help them switch their mind on and switch their mind off. So what they do is whenever they put the glove on and they close the Velcro, they just tap the Velcro with the other hand, sort of just knuckle the top of the Velcro, and in their mind they say switch on. So that's just anchoring that they need to bring themselves back to the present and switch on for this shot. And then when they take the glove off and they put it in their pocket, the second that they put it in their pocket, they say to themselves switch off. And then in between shots they can actually switch off, stop thinking about what's going on from a golf point of view. And uh, and with these anchors, we actually uh, we train them. We, we actually practice them. I even had a, a gentleman on Saturday morning at Royal Melbourne uh, with putting. I had him during the session um, stand on the path. We were doing a bit of a putting drill. But come and stand on the path. And then when his first foot would go onto the putting green, he would say, I am a great putter and I'm looking forward to putting on this green, like really just accessing a fun mindset that putting's fun, putting's creative. And so he would go, he'd step onto the green, he'd access that fun mindset, he'd hit a putt, he'd walk back onto the path, he'd take a 10, 15 second break, I would say go, and then he'd step back on the path, first foot on the putting green, he would say that same statement to access that creativity, feel, fun for putting. And then he'd go through, uh, hit a putt, and then back on the path. So that's just anchoring uh, a state or a mindset or a thought pattern for him every time he steps onto a putting green. The putting's fun, putting's creative, and, you know, I'm going to access my feel here. So um, there's many different ways you can you can use an anchor to access a certain mindset or emotional state, and um, but it has to be, you know, one that we practice and one that we actually train and ingrain. So, um, yeah, so that's uh, that's the fun part of it. When I do it with people with a golf glove, you know, I'll get them to hit uh, 15 balls or 30 balls and glove on, switch on, hit the shot, glove off, switch off, take a two-minute break or 60-second break. Okay, let's go again. And we actually train that during a session. So just to, to create that pattern in the, in the brain. So if I'm referring back to my uh, area that I'm developing and working on the short game and look yep. at my tour striker ball analogy, so I get, yep. I get to in-game situation and I want to access what that feeling's like. Yep. I might just, I'm thinking that I might just sort of rub my inside left uh, forearm because that's yep. where that's that's the where I feel the pressure of the uh, tour striker ball when I am doing that, and I just yep. does that make sense? Yeah, is that something that I might want Ab- to try and do? Absolutely, yeah. and you know when you when you look closely at a lot of elite golfers, 
they'll be they'll be anchoring all the time. So, yeah. for example, let's say you know they've got a feeling, like let's say that tour striker feeling, for example, they might rest the the grip up against their uh, up against their leg, hang their arms, and then they might just close their eyes and just have a little feeling of that tour striker being in between their arms. That's just anchoring a a, a sensation. And obviously, while they're doing that, they're going through maybe a mental process to to really engage in that in that process and in that feel and that state that that creates. And um, so, yeah, there's there's that would be a great way for you to be able to anchor, you know, that confidence, uh, the confidence that you get from performing with a tour striker golf ball, uh, the training aid. You just made me think about that when you talk about players at the elite level and the one that comes to mind because he just won on the weekend, all of our favourites in here in Australia, Adam Scott. Yep. You know, that little pre, um, pre-shot where he has his left hand yep. and turns it on the side and it looks like he's trying to align a grip sort of function yep. but now that I think about it more, you know, he can put his he can get his grip right every time but do you think that that yep. might be like a little anchor for Adam? You know, that little pre-shot. Absolutely, absolutely. The anchors are so subtle that you wouldn't really notice them if you weren't paying attention. But it's most likely something that players will do every single shot. So, uh, a really cool anchor years ago, uh, I was working with a uh, an Aussie female player on the on the European tour, and uh, I asked her, you know, what's one thing you notice that you do when you hit a really good shot in a golf tournament, like? What's something that you notice? So she sort of would replay. She'd hit a good shot. Crowd would applaud. And she said, all I would do is I'd tip my cap and say, great shot, safe. And then she, she said, that's every single shot, that's what I do. I just tip the cap, say thanks, great shot, safe. So we actually had that in her pre-shot routine. She'd sort of have her practice swing, stand back, face the target, tip her cap, and in her mind say, thanks great shot state as if and that was accessing the state in her that she'd already hit a great shot and um she used that for many years uh, out on the european tour and um uh was uh, you know had a couple of wins and was was quite successful so um yeah i think you know anchoring certain states in pre-performance is uh, is something that we can uh probably discuss in, in more depth and and something that you know i think we've probably given everyone enough content tonight to to be able to start to you know implement a, a bit of an anchor in their own game, and um, and you pair that with that mental scorecard, and all of a sudden you've got something pre-shot to to focus on, and uh, uh, and then you know post-shot to to hold yourself accountable as well. I think it's the uh, the accountability part of that mental scorecard is really important for people. Well, sorry if I jumped in there with the anchoring, but you mentioned it and it was on my mind. And uh, as you just said, I think it's a really good. Uh combination little combination offering <laughs> pack tonight yeah. uh, if you use both in combo i think that's a probably a pretty a pretty powerful uh little learning to take away and to to try and implement in your next uh round or rounds of golf it won't happen overnight but it will happen for everyday golf yeah. just like you and me jamie it will happen yeah, so mate, no, uh, definitely. let's let's go back to uh the experience down at the vic open and i'll just yeah. say that uh, what a great event that is it's uh, if you are listening from another part of the world and you haven't experienced or didn't get to see what the Vic Open is, massive congratulations to uh, Golf Australia and also their partners in that event, the 
LPGA, so the L, full LPGA event, and it's a full yeah. uh, European tour event. So we had a great field down there. The girls playing with the guys, no ropes, girl group, guy group, girl group, guy group. I was so impressed with uh, the quality of the fields in, in both fields, but the yeah. I, I really love watching the girls and just how they went about their game. And I think the guys, the, the pros, the guys love watching the girls as well, and they, I think they take a lot out of just the amount of uh, work that they do and the work ethic and uh, the camaraderie and the practice. And I don't know if you, you, you obviously, you know, three or four steps closer to the pointy end of uh, that world than me. Did you, yeah. do you get any of that vibe from the girls down there? And Oh, uh, look, I mean, I don't know what, I am a massive fan of, of women's golf. Um, the personalities that they have, um, yeah, I, I mean, I can't. There's nothing I can say that that, that is, is that I'm such a fan of women's golf. I'm actually uh, heading over to the A and A Championship with Gabby um, in about uh, five weeks or so, which is why I think their first ladies major of the year. And I just can't wait to to actually watch women's golf for an entire week. Just be amongst it. Um, watch how they train. Watch how they prepare. Warm up. Um, you know, they're, I, I'm just, I'm really looking forward to it. I think, you know, the Vic Open is such a special event uh, and it's, it's, it's ran beautifully um, and it will continue to improve. Um, with an event like that, it's, there's always going to be a, a few little teething issues and, and logistical things and challenges and, and that sort of stuff. But each and every year they just tend to nail you know, nail from the, the year prior and this year was was no different. It was just a, a sensational event. Now, you were down there with Herbie and also with Fraze. Uh, yep. I think, fortunately for you, both were paired in the same uh, pairings for the first two days. Is that correct? Yeah, I, I was uh, caught up with Fraze on the Monday prior or the Monday of at uh, PK. Uh, and I said, look, mate, I'll, I'll see what I can do this week and, and, and try and get out and, and watch you play some holes and, and maybe the Pro-Am and they were paired two groups apart in the Pro-Am. So that was great. I was able to, to watch, you know, watch both of them. And then the first two rounds, they got paired together, which was just, I think that's happened a couple of times in, you know, 20 years. So uh, it makes my life so much easier, put it that way. So um, I hope you offered them a discount. Yeah, I certainly didn't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So was there anything that you can you know, give us a little bit of a behind-the-scenes insight into? I'm sure everyone loves hearing a little bit of uh, the world of the Tour Pro, and yeah, but, all, but, but from a mental mastery perspective, you know, any, yeah. anything that uh, happened down there? Obviously, Frey's, his performance was, you know, World class, yeah. It, it, it was a a top quality field. The conditions were unbelievable in terms of, you know, it was force factor nine, gale force winds, and yeah, you know, he was playing alongside and in the final group with, you know, the next big thing, not just in Australian golf, but one of the next big things in global golf, Minwoo Lee, yep. and and yep. polar opposites of golfers, you know, Minwoo Lee, yep. young, wiry, hits the ball incredibly hard and a long way, yep. and yep. then. Fraze, who is in the latter stages of his career, doesn't hit the ball a long way, but yeah. battling it out, you know, shot for shot. Okay, yeah. didn't didn't get there at the end, but you know what, T four or T three or something like that, you know, like it was a phenomenal yeah. result, and 
he had yeah. been pretty happy. And then on the other end, you had Herbie, who you know still must have been on a high from from his first ever European Tour win. Uh, yeah. Last time we got together, we chatted to him, and once again, yeah. apologies for the audio. Listen to it with headphones on. It's a great chat, but uh, you know, and Herbie didn't fare too badly as well in the conditions. Really, what, what, where did he finish? Yeah, I think he was tied fifteenth. Yeah. So, um, yeah, obviously with you know client confidentiality in place. Of course, I, of course. I, I won't give give too much away, but uh, you know, if we talk about phrase for a second, uh, you know, I think just so great for him to start to get some clarity over. I, I suppose it's more clarity over when he was at his best. What was he doing? What what was some of the processes that he had? Um, you know, what was what was one of his priorities? Was it a, a swing field? Was it just connecting to the ball flight to the target and, and reacting to that and let his instincts take over? Like, what was it? And just trying to get back to that. And for him, uh, you know, uh, we used the mental scorecard uh, at the Big Open for one of his processes. And, um, you know, over the weekend, especially Sunday in his pre-round sort of warm-up, you know, I just said, look, mate, today, you know, that uh, that process for that mental scorecard is going to be so valuable because the conditions are just so tough. And he uh, he walked off uh, after 18, finishing tied third. Um, and I was there, and we were just walking towards the scorer's hut. And he just looked at me. He goes, "Mate, he goes, I'm I'm just I'm so happy with how I played. I he goes, oh, I feel so good. I could go and play another 18, um, which for me is a really good sign of where someone's game is at mentally when they play 18 holes in those conditions and they still feel like they could go another 18. Um, So that was, that was fantastic. And Herbie's week was a really very, very interesting week for, for me because it was his fourth week in a row, um, which is his sort of, I suppose the maximum at his maximum end of events in a in a row, you have a win in there. You have travelling from you know Dubai to Saudi Arabia, from Saudi Arabia to you know to, to Melbourne, and then have all the commitments that he had at the Vic Open running on next to no sleep. Um, it was really interesting. Shot ten under in the pro am uh, on the Wednesday. Just made it look easy. Hold everything. Um, but then Thursday, Friday, you know, everything started to catch up with him a bit and tired and just, you know, maybe a little bit irritable and just uh, shooting 10 under the day before and not holding anything in the next, you know, the next couple of rounds doesn't, doesn't very, you know, help very often. But, um, but the awareness that he had over how he was feeling and how he was managing that during the round was just sensational. You know, just they'd show much so much maturity and uh, self-awareness, um, which, you know, is, is, is a big step for him and um, from a, an understanding of, hey, I'm feeling this way out here and it's okay that I'm feeling this way because of A, B and C, but now I need to just focus on this, this and this to manage it and not let it derail my round or not let it, you know, really get to me. So, um, and then... He just did a fantastic job on the weekend, played some unbelievable golf in those conditions and uh, moved himself, you know, moved himself up the leaderboard and, um, you know, extremely successful event. Uh, we'll speak to his 
uh, stats guy who is also Tommy Fleet, Fleetwood stats guy, and he said, Herbie, your first win, and you've made two cuts in a row and with a lot of travel as well after your first win. He said, Tommy missed the next two cuts after he won, and he, he missed them by a mile. So, you know, winning your first event, those next couple of weeks are extremely challenging, and, you know, he did a phenomenal job. So, um, yeah, look, really... Uh, a really great week for, for all involved. And uh, Andrew Scomble, another client of mine, won the, uh, won the pre-queue on the Monday to get into the event, which is great. And uh, missed a couple by a couple. But, um, yeah, it was uh, overall it was a very you know, very successful week and uh, uh, a good week to be down there. That was pretty good shooting from Sconners because, once again, that was a horrendous day wind-wise yep. out there. at uh, Where did he qualify? It ran Furley. And, yeah. And a quality field as well. By, by yeah. the way, and yeah, yeah, that was that was great. I uh, I texted him. And I said, "Well done, mate," and he was pretty happy. And yeah. he's, a, he's a great young man, great young player. Uh, if I could, yeah. if if you and I could putt uh, half as good as he could, uh, yeah, we'd be, yeah, we'd be at least off three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's got a lot of games gone as, and uh, and also good today. I just uh, Gabby Ruffles won uh, her second collegiate event in Vegas today, um, which that. is. Which is great, nine under through fifty-four holes, um, which is just yeah, really good. A second uh, second tournament of the year, so to get a win so early is uh, is great. And obviously, she's got a big year coming up with a lot of her, uh, you know, major exemptions and uh, and a few LPGA starts uh, from her US Amateur win. So um, no, it's uh, been a, been a, been a fun couple of weeks. Where's the ANA? Which course is that played? Is that added past springs? Um, yeah, it's in Palm Springs. I have a funny feeling it's like Rancho Mirage, possibly. That's not Mission Hills, is that? that yeah, it could yeah, be. Okay, yeah, that's where could they be. played. They yeah. used to be the the, the uh, Nabisco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nabisco. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so. Mission Mission Hills. I was uh, 1987. I was there at Mission Hills on the practice fairway. Uh, played every we're day. Gonna get, we're gonna have to get you back there because every time we talk about Palm Springs, you bring up the 1980s and no, the last uh, time. I... 1987, I was there in Palm yeah. Springs at Mission Hill. So I was. Yeah. At, uh, that, yeah. Was, that was where my host family, when I was over there playing, uh, he, yeah. was, he was a member there. He would take yeah. me there, and that was mind blowing. Um, just a little bit back to Fraze. I look. I'll, I'll finish on Fraze. Um, I bumped into him, and I, I don't know Fraze very well at all. I've only met him a few times, and you know, we're, we're definitely not um, not mates, but. You know, he knows that I know you, and you know that I know him, yeah. and all that sort of thing. Um, yeah. I saw him on the putting green with uh, Paul from Bushnell, and uh, I got to say, he looked happy. He looked relaxed. Yeah. He just looked happy to be there, and he just looked in a in a great space. It does. Yeah. It, it, hopefully, that reflected on obviously it reflected on the rest of his round. But he just looked happy. You know, I've seen him yeah. around the club a lot, but he just looked happy. Yeah. Had a smile. Was just putting. It was. Uh, it was really great to to, to see and to say good day to him and, and wish him all the best. Now, mate, yeah, uh, mate. I think uh, I think we've left a, a couple of value bombs out there tonight, mate. Hopefully, what do you think? Yeah, no, I think uh, I think the, the mental scorecard is going to be a really good one for a lot of people to just go. Oh, okay, well, today my only goal is to just see if I can get eighty five percent or more, uh, you know, percentage of of my mental game priority, whether that's, you know, confidence, focus, engagement, commitment, um, you know, letting go of a poor shot or just, you know, whatever it may be that they need to target, just make that the priority. And uh, it has a very singular purpose about, you know, and, and makes it easy for people to just 
make that their priority for the day. Sometimes in golf, we can just try and do too many things in a round of golf and then never do any of them very well. So, uh, yeah, so it's, I think it's going to be great for people out there. Well, mate, where can we get hold of you if we want to check out some more of your fine work? How do we get in touch on Instagram? Where do we get you? Yeah, yeah it's uh, Jamie underscore Glazier. And uh, jump on the website. It's uh, www.daretodream.com.au with the number two. Uh, there's a free video program there for people to sign up and start training. And, uh, uh, you know, the monthly newsletters and all that sort of stuff that uh, that you get as a member of the site. So, um yeah, so it's been uh, been great. Uh, had some great engagement with uh, with members there on the video program, and hopefully got another program coming out in the next couple of months. Very good. And if you want to hear some more from me, you can always check me out at the My Love of Golf podcast. Still going very well. Lots of interviews. Me and Rocket. Rocket had a win on the weekend, by the way, Jamie. He's uh, I saw that. Yeah, he's uh, he's trying to channel his. Uh, Mental mastery by osmosis through me. We've need to get him on the program, but he was very happy with getting his little win there. So uh, that, yeah. yeah, for the mile of a golf team. Hey, um, it's been great right. catching up. Let's uh, have a game next week or so. And uh, yeah, thanks again for listening, everyone. Thanks, guys. No problems. Until next time. I hope you enjoyed the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast. We'll see you again. Thanks for listening to the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast by Dare to Dream. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast and head over to daretodream.com.au for exclusive access to the free video program, Eight Tips to an Unbreakable Mental Game. Join us next time on the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast.